Yes, hello. Welcome to the Jock and Journo show. Round two is gone and holy moly, did the tips take an absolute beating. Did not see that North Melbourne win coming on the road. Absolutely extraordinary. It's your usual Jock and Journo crew. I'm Jay Clark. We have the captain of Collingwood here, Scotty Pendlebury, the five-time best and fairest winner, six-time All-Australian. was absolutely outstanding again on Thursday night against the Tigers. How are you, big boy? Not too bad, mate. How are you going? I'm good. Now, you had the weekend off, mate. What did you do? Did you sort of get on the beers? Did you train excessively like normal or did you sort of lay on the couch? <laughs> Not a great deal, to be honest. I watched a hell of a lot of footy. It was, it was nice that it was back Friday night. Netflix, I'm over that. I reckon I've watched every series. Yeah. So I've tried to watch as much of the footy as I can humanly possible without getting too distracted by a three-year-old clawing at me for every waking yes. minute. So it's... um. Yeah, it's been good. It's it's nice. I think the just getting back to watching footy. I thought footy was going to end though after Thursday night. I thought the game was going to be scrapped with how bad <laughs> everyone commentated that game and thought it was the end of the world. Over so footy was never going to be back. I, th- I think Grant Thomas came out and said the coaches are ruining the game. Um, although St <laughs> Kilda seemed to go okay when Ross Lyon took over, didn't they? Playing a pretty defensive brand of footy. He did. <laughs> Certainly did. So, I want to ask you in a second. I want to ask you in a second why your game was so poxy on the scoring front compared to everything else because Geelong and Hawthorne piled on the goals. Saw North Melbourne hit the scoreboard. Essendon on the road was outstanding. Uh, but you guys pulled the handbrake. I want to find out why that is. I say hello to our technical wizard. He gets his magnificent production. Hello, Braden Cox. Jeez, I tell you what, it's hard getting it up and running every week with you two. I, Scott, your yeah. weekend sounds about as boring as your game on Thursday night. Just to put it out there. Thanks. Jeez. Thanks, mate. Did kick you watch some, Thursday night? Kick some snags. Yeah, I've, I tried to stay awake. It was that dull. Come on, kick a goal. Footy's hey, about snags. Biggest biggest TV ratings in a decade, was it? Jeez, oh, yeah. you put them all to sleep. People were keen. Scott, what was it? Did you try and deliberately deny Richmond the ball? Because we know they love to play the fast, the chaos, that sort of stuff. Was it a keepings off game? Was it a strategic thing? to try and debunk the reigning premier. From that perspective, I mean, I think I think it worked. We, we know how much they can hit the scoreboard. From a denial perspective, um, it, it might have been smart. How much of that was deliberate? Uh, very little, to be honest. I think <laughs> the, the biggest factor in the game was both sides' skills and our, and both sides' goal-kicking, taking our chances. You know, Geordie, Geordie to go, I think, hit three snaps that all went out on the full. Brody Meyer checked. Missed two set shots from 45. Tom Phillips kicked one out on the full from 40 metres out. Jack Rewalt missed one from 35 metres out. That didn't score. Um, I think uh, there was just a bit of – there was a bit of rust in both sides' ball movement. And, I don't, you know, Richmond have been the best defence for the last probably three years and we've been top four defensively. So both sides' defences still held up. Their pressure is really good. It's It seemed like at the start we'll – hot knife through butter a little bit with, with our ball use, but then they tightened up a few things and we had trouble moving the footy a little bit. And, um, yeah, I think just generally both sides' skills, that that last kick inside 50 or that key decision, both sides kept marking up. And it was also very wet. I think it probably looked like the perfect night. Well, watching it back, it looks to me, it looked like the perfect night of footy, but it was basically a wet weather game of footy. It was that slippery underfoot. I know that I slept over so many times just trying to change the direction that I actually contemplated getting out the long stops. Not that I have a pair, but I wish I did on on Thursday night. So yeah, it wasn't a great spectacle, mate, but we walk away with with two points, unlike eight other sides for the round. 
How was the feeling afterwards when the final siren? Are you a fan of? Do you like it the draw? Up 2020. Or would you prefer the? Yeah, so far. Would you prefer? Would you prefer to play an extra ten minutes, five minutes each end, or do you? Are you happy with the draw? I mean, I would imagine that it's a bit underwhelming for a player, and that if you had five minutes each end, it would be some of the most exciting football of the season because it's last roll of the dice sort of stuff. No, I like the draw. I think that you've had 120 minutes or whatever we've got now, 100 minutes to decide a game of football. And if you don't, if that's not long enough, you need an extra five minutes. Well, I don't know. You're doing something wrong. So I don't mind. The, I don't mind the drama. Uh, it is different though. It's different having a draw without a crowd. That sense of urgency that the crowd, you know, the, every mark, holding the ball, decision, whatever, they go off their heads when it's that close. So we missed that, which probably added to I don't know how flat it felt when the game ended, but. Um, yeah, both sides were sort of at the end of the game, almost both sides looked at each other and had a laugh and sort of said this sums up the last three months of isolation and everyone was going crazy waiting for the footy to come back and they they get that empty feeling. So, um, But then I, Friday night was a good game of footy um, and, and then since then the rounds really shone. I think footy is back and it's different but it's back, which is the most important thing. If it bleeds, you can kill it, Scott. And the reigning premier, they're not invincible. Uh, you drew early. I don't think you fear the Tigers. And I love this rivalry you were building. How did you score the points between Dusty and Dugowie? I mean, that's what we talked about, these two raging bulls uh, coming up against each other. You said Dugowie, Geordie missed a couple of shots. You were without Adam Trelaw, of course. And I always get the Brown brothers a bit mixed up. But at quarter time... Uh, Callum Tyler's tall and Josh. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I struggle. I honestly, I very absolutely struggle with it. I have to uh, check their numbers and everything. But I mean, that was we talk about the competition for spots because Stevenson um, can't get a game, and Adam is out of the game. Is he's out of the team at the moment? But it was some outstanding football from those two young players. I mean, Callum Brown in particular, his hands in close and that vision and cleanness. Oh boy. Yeah, well, I think I think even um. Dakes had that little move. I don't know if it was in the first quarter where he picked it up at the half forward flank, did a spin move. But I think like the most impressive thing about it all was just the composure. Once he'd done all that, made the move, got rid of, I think it was Lambert come in from the blind side. He'd done the blind turn mm-hmm. to pull the kick back inside and hit flip Tom Phillips without, I think most young guys in that instance, they get around someone, they rush, they're inside 50. I'll just have a ping. Um, mm-hmm. I think when you see players like Dakes do that, the game you sort of start to realise the game's slowing down for him. And I think all night Dakes was one of our better players. He was just so clean. He was relaxed when he had the footy. He used it really well. He was hard when he had to be. Um, and I think, yeah, I think for us, he's a guy that's almost untapped potential. He's very classy both sides of his body. He's hard at it. Um, yeah, and some of the things he can do is freakish, which is clearly in his blood, but you still got to go out there and do it. And then, as you said, Cal was, Cal was awesome all night. His pressure is... Um, Shingy's ability to set up other people was was fantastic, and those two boys, I'm sure, sat there and added a little bit of spark into what was a pretty dull, dull game of footy. And as for the Dusty versus Geordie thing, well, I don't think they got near yeah, each other go. other than center. they didn't get near each other other than center <laughs> bounce, and then both of them usually run forward. So probably a, a nil or draw. I don't think either of them had their best game, but I don't think they'd walk away, you know, being sort of shattered by how they performed. I thought they both were. We're okay without being standouts. Dusty had some one-on-ones with Howie that usually I think most sides would would be really fearing and um, Howie was able to just neutralise those balls as well. So both of them probably could have kicked two or three goals each, had 20 touches, which is pretty handy. But 
Um, maybe it's that first game, Russ, that sort of Jay experienced last week on the podcast. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I was certainly <laughs> uh, very rusty, but we're in this together. It's a collective effort, Scotty. If Jeremy Howe, he, he hasn't been all Australian to this point, but uh, from what I saw, we're not starting. Him, we're no. not starting the all Australian debate now. Surely <laughs> he's in my all Australian well, side. Two rounds in, Grundy well, won the Brownlow last week. Right. Yeah, he won the it's Brown. It. Matt Rowe will win the Brownlow now. He, he sorry, Jay, keep going. Becoming- He's becoming an elite defender, Jeremy Howe. He's aerial. He work. is an elite defender. Uh, he's, he's not becoming. A, he's an. He is elite. Yeah. Well, I guess we get we get distracted by the flashing lights, by the high marks. We uh, we probably do and need to pay him up, um, a bit more respect. He he was outstanding. There's no doubt about that. I've also got my eye on Steve May as someone who could break into that uh, all Australian mix. Certainly wasn't uh, last year. Uh, a bit of a tumultuous year, but I think he can uh, break into that mould. What was the performance of the weekend, uh, Scott? I thought a North Melbourne North Melbourne start to the season has been unbelievable. Three men down on the bench against St Kilda. Last quarter, outstanding round one. Then they punched GWS in the face. Complacent performance from the Giants, uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly on, on Sunday. So North Melbourne being the big winners for me so far. Bulldogs, big losers. They wanted the, they wanted the prime time slots, the marquee, Fixtures they craved that big fixture this year, and they've been so disappointing uh, so far. Who, who for you uh, has uh, has uh, jumped out in round two? Oh, I think the Gold Coast for for mine. I think uh, no one no one gave them a chance up there um, to beat West Coast. Everyone probably just thought West Coast would get that done by you know a fair margin. So for for them to go up there and play the way they played. Um, and they got challenged a few times too. Like early on, West Coast were dominating that game of footy. Um, they couldn't put the score on the board. And then, yeah, they, I don't know, they just sort of overrun them, put the foot to the metal and away they went. And, um, you know, I think everyone's going to be talking about Matt Rowe, but he was so impressive. I don't remember seeing a first-year guy get to stoppages and he's just pointing here, pointing there, directing guys. Um, and it looked like he was the leader of that midfield. Um, yeah, I've never seen anyone do that and I know they're a young side and you might feel more comfortable up there but it's still your first year of AFL you've still got guys you know Took Miller's a fantastic player Dave Swallow wasn't there they've got guys and he's just first one at the stoppage every time pointing he's picking his teammates up off the deck he just looks so comfortable and I just love the brand he's his style of play is so simple but it is so effective you know he's always in front at the stoppage he's Bodywork was fantastic. He doesn't fumble. He makes the right decision. Um, and he's damaging with the footy. I think there's a lot of guys these days who just accumulate the footy or every time they touch it, they make sure they get a handball kick away because that, that counts towards their stat sheet and they can have a look at it after the game where he looks like it's, yeah, as I said, everyone's going to say it and he's going he's to get so much hype this week, but he looks like future captain and he plays as many games as he wants to at that football club. Oh, future captain, exactly Brownlow right, medalist. He's going to win it all. I didn't say Brownlow. Brownlow's <laughs> Rowell. No, I'm I'm saying Brownlow's. Brownlow's Rowell. I mean, how long before he, he's bona fide their best player? Not long. He was certainly that um, on Saturday night. And against Luke Shuey, a Norm Smith medal winner, so powerful through the hips. You talked about his organization. His, his hunt and will for the ball uh, was was outstanding. And uh, I think they've already stitched him up. There's a, officially a player contract freeze, but I think a deal very close to be done um, for His best for mate's good years. too. 
Noah Anderson, he was Noah Anderson. equally as impressive, I thought. I think, and Matt will get all the all the plaudits this week. But I thought Noah Anderson, his composure, slightly different players, but his composure and their connection, you can see clearly that they played footy together before. And those two guys for the growth of Gold Coast, Gold Coast need to do whatever they can to keep those two together and those two happy. And let's not forget the pack page story of the Herald Sun last year's trade period, these informal discussions that were had between Gold Coast and Collingwood potentially for the number one pick. Collingwood list manager Ned Guy says, well, what would it take for us to get that number one pick off you? And I think Gold Coast said, well, I think we'll have Geordie Degoe or Adam Trelaw uh, to give up Matt Rowell. They knew how, how good he was. And Collingwood said, um, thanks, but no thanks. But, Col- but Gold Coast knew the player they were getting. I think a recruiter said he's been best on ground in every game that he had seen him play. And uh, certainly he's he an play. absolute dollar one chance uh, for the uh, for the Rising Star Award uh, so far. Is it what? Um, he's given away the uh, Rising Star Award now. That's all right. Well, the other, just, the other player for mine, the other player for mine yeah. in the North Melbourne game, um, and which was a fantastic win, by the way, but I thought Todd Goldstein, he sort of, he, he had a did he have a bad season? Not a bad season, but he was all Australian for a few years, and then he had I think he had a season where he was a little bit quiet and it's sort of just been forgotten how good he is. His his ball use is second to none as a ruckman. His ability to find a target every time he kicks, his hands are elite. He's um, he's right up there for mine with with the best rucks. You know, you talk about Brody and Gorney, obviously the two sort of benchmarks, but I think Goldstein he's his ball use when it hits the deck is it is seriously like an inside midfielder. His hands are that slick. So I think he, he needs to get some recognition. And as you said, that North game, that was a fantastic win. And um, as Shuri said, I heard a little bit what he said after the game. You know, we play a sim- simplistic brand and we, we try and play sort of on-brand football, which is hard and tough. And um, is it Cameron Zerha? He's yep. he's a good player. He's a serious player. I, lo- I love his attitude, and he reminds me like he's playing in nineteen eighties. So there's a few boys like that. I liked Simpkin as well. He's really good around the footy. Ben Cunnington, I think, is fantastic as well. So they're um, they're a good side. They they play a simple brand but effective. So that they, they will take some beating this year. Sean Higgins broke the Matty DeBoer tag. As you said, Goldstein handed uh, Sammy Jacobs a backside uh, to him, and Taron Thomas. I mean, this is a midfield. Um, that is supposedly lacks star power, you know, doesn't have the poster boy. Um, Taron Thomas is an exceptional young player on, on the rise. What does this say about the travel factor? So Essendon win on the road on the day they fly, same as North Melbourne. People like me have been banging on about, you know, how uh, how big a hurdle this is uh, for, for travelling teams to, to, to win on the road on the day that they get up at 5.30, get to Tullamarine, fly up there, hang out at a, a uh, hotel for three hours, and then deliver the intensity. Like, do you, will other teams, will other players like yourself? Is this something you will take notice of? Sure. I think for I think for I think for starters, I think everyone formed an opinion without actually getting a body of evidence first. But I think you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to go. This is what I think is going to happen. But after two games, you see that both sides. It doesn't affect your performance as much as people probably thought it would. When I heard, I think I heard Essendon's schedule, which was like they had to be at their footy club by seven a.m. Their flight was eight a.m which is if you're getting out there by 7 a.m., you're up at probably 5.30 because you want to eat something before you travel. Um, I'm tipping they're not allowed to bring food on the plane or whatever, that sort of stuff. So it's 
you've got to be really prepared to go and do that. And then um, the other side of it, which is what I mentioned last week, it, it could galvanize groups as well. So, um, you know, but it's, it's all different. Um, I think the you know, we can, we'll probably sit here after this round and go to, you know, the traveling sides, they can do it. And then the traveling side might win for another three weeks. But I think if you can win on the road this year, that they're worth their weight in gold and um, mm. North and Essendon have proved to sides now that it's not an excuse. So when you get on that plane, do what you've got to do and you just go before. They'll be tired tomorrow though. I agree uh, 100%. I think that there's no excuses for the traveling team now. Two sides have, have shown it again, as outsiders against the odds uh, to get up. So um, I, I, it's been, that's been an interesting turn. I was certainly thinking the teams would find it hard to win on the road the day they travel, but that certainly hasn't been the case. i tell you who's been a massive disappointment to start 2020, and that is the Western Bulldogs. I mean, this is the team that came home last year, Scotty. And Coco, like with an absolute wet sail, they were the hottest team in the back end of 2019, and they got they got shown up by the Giants in that that first final. But that it'd be disappointing for them. They would have had two months to stew on that first round loss, and then they come up come up and serve absolute donuts to St Kilda. Yes, there's only five players remaining from that 2016 premiership, but that'd be a team that craved the big games, the big prime time time slots. They'd be feeling pretty hollow, pretty empty after two rounds of footy, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. I think too. You've—I'm not sure what the final score was today, but you know, back to backs, potentially 40, 50 point losses too. You know, that—that that stings. At the, you know, even in normal game time, if you get beaten by that much, it really stings. And um, yeah, you never go into a game expecting that. And you know, they would have gone in today being fully confident, thinking round one was just a aberration, and and they'll get back to you know, how they play their footy. So um, I'm not sure why it's off. Any thoughts from you? Why you think yeah. they're What do you think firing? it is, Jay-Z? They've got the list. They've got so many young, exciting uh, players. They've got a great spine. They've got Bontem Pally in the middle. You've got Norton up front. Like what's not clicking? You said a great spine. I'm not sure. I mean, Tim English is really, you know, he, he got <clears> smashed by Brody, and, you know, it was tough for him again on uh, Sunday. They got a new player down back, Alex Keith, to, to hold back. Ryan Gardner still establishing himself. And Josh Bruce is new, new to the club. So really the the, the, um, the sparkle in this side is that midfield. And, uh, yeah, Marcus Bontempelli probably hasn't had the start to the season he would have liked. There's no Lockie Hunter. So it hasn't gelled for him, whether it's a cohesion thing. I mean, last year, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong here, I thought they were the number one side in transitioning the ball from the back half to the front half. I mean, they had a particular style and executed really well. But against the Saints, they made a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot of errors in the skill department, did they? They were normally a very slick side transitioning that ball. Maybe something's changed. Well, I know one thing we focused on in round one was the contested ball battle. As you said, I think Tim English is going to be a fantastic player, but he's still developing into his body. You can see how big he's going to be, but he's still developing that strength mm. to go against. Your Rowan Marshalls, Paddy Ryder, you know, Broads for us. So, and, and Bulldogs have never relied on having a dominant Ruckman to do what they do on ground mm-hmm. level. So, what, contested ball was huge for us against them. And I think we were plus, you know, 20 odd against them. And, um, and the other area that um, sides know when you play the Bulldogs is if you turn it over against them in your forward half with the sloppy, you know, ball use or whatever, it's they transition the ball from their back half to, to their front half better than anyone. So, as you said today, watching snippets of it, it was that connection piece. And it, as you said, it might be the new players, the 
Bruce, um, Josh Bruce in the front half, uh, Gardner in the back half, Alex Keith, just that chemistry of this is how we defend as a side, this is how we attack as a side and all those moving parts don't look like they're gelling or clearly they're not gelling yet. So, um, But yeah, one but thing what, we do know with the Bulldogs on. is... is doesn't, sorry, Scott, doesn't St Kilda, didn't they get a few players over the off-season? They did, they did yeah, indeed. So, but like they can gel. It's just not, why, it's why just not clicking at the moment. On Great question because they... It was similar to last year, though, as well, Coco, that they started the first half poorly with the same issue. And then they've come home last year with a wet sail. So I think they'll believe that they can turn it around. It's just, I don't know, does it, does it feel more cutthroat this season than. Yeah, well, you've only normal? got 70 like games to, yeah. to kind of prove it. So I don't know. It just feels like if you lose two on the trot, and I've said this, it just feels like, oh, you're in this big black hole. And you're probably not because you don't know how the ladder's going to shake out and what's going to happen. But you just feel like. Zero and two, you don't want to go zero and three. But you kind of at that point, you know, normal 21-game season or whatever, after round two, normally the public is kind of writing off teams in a normal length season. So 17 games, it's not that many. Well, then, as you said, St Kilda, look, like they've been playing together for – that's a side that's been playing together for years. Yeah, well, all they their connected kind of, well new guys oiled. came in. Zach Jones played a really good game, 29 touches and a goal uh, and – Dan yeah, Butler, you know, yeah, and Hanabry was was good. Kicked, yeah, yeah. kicked the goal, had twenty touches, uh, plenty plenty of tackles. Got in there and and did the hard work. It's great to see Hill in there, like just such a good kick, good inside fifty, runs all day. So um, those guys kind of just picked it up straight away. It was a midfield that was a bit one paced. It was one dimensional. Now Brad Hill, that electric run. Zach Jones has got some uh, real speed and some some aggression in there. Like you know, he's someone who always looks like he wants to punch his opponent. And I don't mind that that physicality inside uh, the contest. And Butler's got some speed in the forward half. We know Paddy Ryder adds another edge. So I think that the re- total change in recruiting strategy for them. Um, has served them well. I really think there's a different a different element at St Kilda, and yeah, they probably paid too much to Daniel Hanabry, and last year was a bit of a disaster because they couldn't get him on the park. But you know, I think he can still play an important role uh, for them this year. And that's who you take on next round, Scotty. You like that little uh, segue? Um, that they're a team that you've had to measure off. I think they, you've beaten them eleven out of the last thirteen times, dating, dating back to 2010. Um, so it's a team. Um, You've had their measure, if that counts. Too easy. Uh, for anything of, yeah. If, not, if only footy was that simple. Last year we played them and I think we were up by about a goal at three-quarter time and we kicked 10 the last quarter. So we know that, especially – and we played them in the Marsh Series as well and they beat us. So we only have to look back three or four months ago to know that the last two times we played them, we probably got out of jail once and we lost the Marsh Series. So. Um, not sure we'll be ready and sleep over the March uh, series <laughs> defeats. God, to be honest, no, the first yeah, time I've ever heard you talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. the result. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, not, you're, probably, you're probably right. I, nah, well, I just we played them though, so you know how good they can be. So, yeah. um, no, nah, looking forward to it. Saturday at the G. Hopefully, it's not as wet as what Thursday night was, and although I think it's forecast to rain, so see how we go. I'll tell you what. Look out for Zach Jones. He just wants to punch people in the face. Just him and him and Geordie to go. He might butt heads. Oh, oh Taylor! We got Taylor Adams in the midfield. He gets he gets angry at the blade Adam. of grass if it's facing the wrong way. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. nice goods and Joey's boy. Uh, do, do you guys enjoy as viewers the shorter quarters? What are your thoughts on it? 
I don't know if it was just because it was this week. I wanted footy to go as long as possible. Um, you know, you settle in and the longer breaks in between quarters and I just wanted more footy. I don't know about you, Jay-Z. I need it. I want to compromise on in between. I think probably they're a little short at the moment. And I think last year they were too long. Some of the quarters going constantly over 30 minutes. I think footy was definitely too long in 2019. I think it needed to be trimmed, but possibly not down to 16 minutes. I understand why they did that because – you know, you guys could have been playing three games a week or, you know, four games over a fortnight or stuff like that. So I, I, I get it. But footy in 2002, 2019 was way too long. But you you seem a bit frustrated with these shorter quarters, Scott. You don't Personally, like I, pull, I pull up amazing from it. Like, mm. yeah, from Thursday night waking up Friday, you sort of wake up and you slowly open your eyes and you just think, have I been hit by a bus again as I've woken up this morning? And <laughs> um I think I got hit by one of those little ride-on scooters. That's how good I felt when I when I woke up Friday morning. So I don't know what what were the quarters last year? Was it twenty five plus time on? Yeah, but they they would often go for up to thirty five minutes. I mean, you don't want what about if footy it, game I could, I could to go, go three hours? No, nah, it doesn't. But I think twenty minutes in time on. Yep, would be better. So that's an extra, like you know, for for us the other night we weren't kicking goals or anything, so that doesn't help your cause. But just get an extra sixteen mm. minutes. I. I feel like as sides are just starting to – because the game's always going to open up in the middle part of the quarter and especially in the back end of the quarter. Mm-hmm. But at the start of quarters is when sides can implement like a tactical change that they've just remembered from the coach. And then by the time the opposition coaches pick that up, they might make an adjustment. You're not really getting seeing sides take full advantage of when the game's about to open up because the quarter finishes. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I just think potentially – but. It's probably one of those arguments where it's not going to change, so it's no point worrying about it. But I would love to see an extra four to five minutes a quarter at the moment. Do you reckon they could change it on the fly this season? I know they've probably said that I think they, in, I think they could change it on the fly because everything won't. else is being on the fly. And I know I know why they won't because, be, you know, the first two rounds weren't that, that it wasn't the case. But we're also going to have fans in there at some point. It's not like we're going to lock out fans for the whole year just because that's how the first two games were played. How far do you normally run versus what you're running in a 16-minute quarter? How how much less are you running? 25% less. Oh. So you'd normally run about 14Ks or something a game? <laughs> yeah, makes, yeah. So about 14, 14, 15 about, a game. And, yep. Yeah, and then now about, about down to 10 or 11. 11. Interesting. Yeah. I just think that war of attrition, which everyone talks about, is – I don't know, maybe like if you – remember the old days you got tagged, you'd, you'd run blokes off their legs in the last 10 minutes of the quarter. Now you're not going to get that chance. Or like if you're going to get tagged, by the time they rotate someone back onto you and you have your break, you're basically running on a fresh tank of petrol the whole time. So I don't know, I'd, I'd love to see an extra four or five minutes. And I agree with you, Jay, probably last year, you know, four or five minutes too long, but I feel like we've cut a massive chunk. Like I, the time I rotated the other night and – Come to the like, come to the bench. Look at the clock. There's like eight minutes to go. It's like, geez, I gotta get back on there. Otherwise, it's like you know, I'll be, I might be caught here with three minutes to go. Like so, and then I think I think too. Then if if this is the way, like sides sides might have to look how you rotate. Do you keep guys out there? So does it go back more old school? Do you keep guys out there for long periods of time? And your bench literally is your bench until you want to use someone. You don't rotate as much, or do you rotate faster? Because no one's got near the ninety rotations yet. Maybe I think some players stay out there more. Someone like yourself, someone like Todd Goldstein, the key defenders, key forwards, maybe stay out there more. And then with the other guys, you rotate them more quickly, which is, um, 
you know, it's a next level really. So they're more the ice hockey strategy where some players stay stay out yeah. there. I mean, that, that, yeah, that, I that, that would be uh, – That'll be very interesting. Hey, um, off. Let's go th- off the field for a second because, and this is a bit of a serious one. But you, I know you guys are absolutely uh, fed up and had a guts full of the restrictions on you. So currently, you can't go to a playground, you can't go and sit in a cafe or a restaurant, you can't play golf, you can't surf, you can't fish, you can't even go over to a teammate's house, let alone anyone else's house. And it's clearly. Um, this would be one of the big stories this week. It, it's so far out of line with the rest of the community because if you can't take your son to a playground, it means your wife does and she's working and it puts a strain on the partners clearly. It's been recognised quite significantly over the 48 hours that this needs to change, it needs to change pronto. How are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, I, I echo those words. I think I think when it got announced we are coming back to football, everyone was in lockdown, so you appreciated the um, sort of the olive branch that was being extended. But um, at the moment, as you said, I think players are getting to that point where it's breaking point for us where, as you said, you know, my, my mum and dad are down in Melbourne who um, I haven't seen for 14 weeks. And then they're like, we'll come over and see the kids. It's like, oh, well, you can come over, but I'll, I'll duck out because I'm not allowed to be at home if you, if you come over. Um, and it's my mum and dad like um, – yeah, so I'm hoping that they get changed this week to allow some of those things, you know, whether it's guys want to go play golf or if I can take Jacks to the park, um, you know, because there's things that I just do that me and Jacks usually do that at the moment we always have to go as a family of four and do those things. And it's great, but I just love a bit of freedom to have a life outside of football because it just feels like it's all football at the moment and that's all I do. So there's no release, there's no... Um, yeah, there's no doing anything. And even, you know, when you do do something, if I go for a walk with Jax, you do notice people watching you to see what you do, where you go, which isn't a nice feeling either. Really? So, Is um, that right? You're feeling watched. You are feeling watched. I, I, had, I had a lady come to me the other day when I was on a walk with Jax and she said, you know, as an AFL player, you're not allowed to be doing this. Oh, oh, Get out of here, Karen. You steam, <laughs> steam would have come out of your ears. And I, I was going for a walk with him in a, where I live um, we were walking around the block and she's, you're wow. not allowed to be doing this. Sorry, I'll go sit inside my bedroom. You sell her some yeah, candy? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And that is interesting because, I mean, you're, I mean you've are I mean, you been in the cave for a long time, was it, 15 uh, years? So in your very stable life, et cetera. So, I mean, you, you, you cope with the pressures and everything as, as well as anyone. So that's interesting you say that because the younger players who, you know, aren't as established, aren't as secure, aren't as level-headed as yourself, I, I, I think of them because it would be even more difficult, I would imagine, for some of those younger guys where you, you, you know, you are used to these sort of pressures and, and, and rigors of the AFL game. So if you're feeling frustrated, yeah. then you, you would your younger teammates, I think, would be at the end of their tether. Is that some of the feedback you're getting? Oh. Put yourself in the shoes of a guy who's sitting on our, say, sitting on our list, who's not playing at the moment, who's playing in match sims, who thinks I'm probably not going to be playing for the first six weeks anyway, or I'm in rehab, but I'm living this life. And I know everyone knows that this is what we've got to do to get the game going, all that stuff. And we're getting tested twice a week. There's not been one positive. We're in small groups. Everything's set up the right way. That 
I feel like someone will break at some point and go, geez, I'm just going to go have a, a beer with my mate. I need to have a release. I'm sick of just being at home or at the football club. So, you know, mental health's always been on the agenda of guys and what they're doing and you're more than a footballer. Well, at the moment we're 100% football and that's basically it. You, you can't – there is no release for guys. So, yeah, I hate to feel how other players are feeling when I feel like I'm almost at breaking point with with how we're going. So, um, but in saying that, I, I'm very optimistic that they would get looked after, looked at after this round. So I'm really hoping at some stage this week that we get some news that, um, you know, maybe we just go to the stage that everyone was at. You can have, what was it, five people over and you can go to a park, you can play golf, all those type of things. You know, I don't think, I'm not saying I want to go, you know, out to restaurants and nightclubs or whatever it is, but just some element of being able to have, you know, my brother over or my best mate or mum and dad would be awesome because it's not just two weeks for us. It's been 14, 15 weeks now. I feel like giving you a cuddle, Scotty. I'm yeah, pretty, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, wow. pretty cuddly at the moment. I feel like giving you a <laughs> Thanks, big hug, uh, moment. Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank man, you. It's, it's going to be, yeah, it is. It's, yep. Um, Spot on. I mean, in terms of the mental health, it is so interesting because at the moment it is meant to be a huge focus uh, for the competition and relieving some of those uh, pressures. And I think uh, they've got to be eased back pronto. And it just be a huge talking point um, this year. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, Coco, you have uh, uh, you've got some social media questions for us. Our fans have got some questions here for a great man. What do you got for us? Well, you just stitched me up because I had one more question. What What's the uh, playing devil's advocate after your great, uh, very emotive speech? Then uh, we, we saw the, the uh, uh, we saw the Bulldogs Roosters match in the NRL be postponed because uh, one of the players' children's teacher tested positive for COVID, so they put off the game uh, for an extra day. Uh, what, what's what happens in that circumstance if a player does test positive? If they start to loosen uh, what what players can do, who they can see, and a, a player does test positive, do we push the season back? Does the game get delayed? I know it was talked about, but it kind of turns real once it happens. Yeah, I think with I think the testing regime for our code is different. So we're tested before our main training and the game, so you know within. 24 hours of playing if you're positive or negative. And when you train throughout the week, you're in small groups of, you know, eight to six players. So if I did test positive the day before a game, I would probably then have to – Or sorry, if it was contacted through someone with me or someone I knew got it, I would probably be ruled out of that game and then the people maybe in my group of eight could be as well. And that's why teams have set up their groups of eight differently and and things like that. But – we have the ability to get tested so quickly and get the result back so quickly that I don't think it's – for starters, I, I, I actually can't see anyone testing positive to it. You know, I think we've got, what, 380 active cases at the moment. A lot of them have been contained or they know where it is at. So, um, yeah, and I think we're not – as I said with players, I don't think we – we don't, we don't expect to be at the level of everyone else in society, but I think we expect some leniency to see your mum and dad, see your mm. whatever it is you need to do. So um, because so one of the guidelines currently at the moment, if you're a single bloke, you're allowed to have an intimate partner over. Oh. If you're a single bloke, you'd have 
I don't know, how do you classify who an intimate partner is? It's mm, the person who's right, in your house, isn't it? You're not going to say, oh, this is not quite the intimate partner. She's on her way to becoming that potentially. So I don't think it would be your and mom then and how dad. Do you, and how do you know who she hung around with yesterday if she's bonk. living normal yeah. restrictions? You know, That's the like, bonk ban. That's what we call <laughs> exactly. it, the bonk so, ban. Yeah, I think we need just a slight loosener. Fair enough. That is why I think Brendan Zerk Thatcher from Essendon got a one-match suspension because I'm not sure if he got dobbed in by his lady friend, but it's uh, something along those lines. And the, the two uh, Melbourne oh, boys, um, <laughs> oh, um, Kasai Pickett and Charlie Spargo, also might have been um, heading over to a barbecue um, to say good day to some friends uh, also. So anyway, Coco, question. All right, here we go. We're jumping into him. We got Abby Hodge who wants an update on Steve-O. Uh, yeah, he, he played really well. I was speaking to Bucks before our game against Richmond and um, said he played really well. His touch was good. Um, just sort of probably the things that I spoke about last week that you want to see because he has missed. I think I was speaking to him the other day. I think he's played three games of footy in about a year So because he obviously got suspended last year. So he said his touch was good. He looked good. He moved well. His work rate was high. His speed looked good. So, yeah, I think, it, as I said, it's just a matter of time before we find a way for him to, to get back in the side because he's too good not to be in it. Yes. No, he's a, he's a gun player. I also think um, – I'm just going to pretend I'm Nathan Buckley here for um, a second. I also reckon it's not bad as a message to a guy like Jaden Stevenson that he has to – his work rate, his attention to detail, his dedication, professionalism on and off the track has to be right up here because he's a bloke who jumped in straight away early in his career and had some success. Um, and I think at this point in his career, I think it's a nice little – reminder uh, that he's he's got to be performing and preparing as well as he can all the time to break into this side. So I think in when he looks back on this period, when his career is over, I think it's not a bad little, not wake-up call, but just a reminder about where he's, he's got to be, inspiration, etc. But thanks, thanks you, Bucks. You know, that's just my observation. Uh, this is a quick one for Jay-Z, Matt Rowell. He'll win the Brownlow for sure. What year? That's from Matt Webber. Uh, yeah, I think... I think he is having a Chris Judd impact, Give us a, a Chris Judd impact. Uh, he obviously doesn't have the speed, but for all the things that Scott said off the top, his work around the contest, his hunt, I mean, he beat the best midfield in the competition, we've all been saying over summer. they got Tim Kelly now, and he showed all of them up. You know, they got Nick Knapp back, et cetera. So, look, I think in literally in two or three years, he could be a serious player. Oh, five serious years. player. Scott says five. Well, I mean, with his body, his frame, his dedication and smarts around the contest, you know, it's in two or three years, he can become a serious player. He's already the best player on the ground in round two. So it's instant impact we're talking. He just wanted a year that he was going to win the Brownlow, Jay-Z, from <laughs> Webby there. Yeah, I get a bit excited. 2022. 2024. Well, I ask this. Can I ask you a question here, Scott? Who will you take, Sam Walsh or Connor Rosie? Speaking about gun young players, if you had to pick one right now, Walsh or Rosie, because Rosie, I reckon, Sam Walsh won the Rising Star. Walsh, just got his nose ahead of his performance on the weekend. That's good performance. Oh, yeah, I think it. those two, that, that debate will just ebb and flow every week depending on who plays better. Um, well, I think at this stage, no, no, at this stage, if Rosie uses the ball, a lot mm. better, more composed with the footy and makes better decisions. And I think Walsh 
accumulates the ball better than Rosie, so he knows where to go to get it more. But Rosie doesn't need it as much to have a far greater impact. Yeah, would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. I think it's a yep. great description. He is dynamic and ballistic, Rosie. He is a match winner. Was it eight clearances and he's moving to the midfield? He's more of a link man, Walsh. I think is as you uh, as you said. So, going to be fascinating yep. that debate uh, throughout the careers, as you said. Looking forward to that. Uh, Tom Newbold, this is a beauty. This is a quick one for Scott. Uh, what the hell was that handball over your head? Late in the game, I handballed one over my head to who I thought was Maney free and it went to Ivan Soldo. don't know how I thought Maney was free when their ruckman was standing next to him. And Yeah, I've never run as fast to try and get the ball back in my life. I <laughs> panicked, panicked quite quickly. Kicked it up again. <laughs> Especially because it, oh, it was a draw at the time too. I thought Maney was out, still handballed it to me. I was like, I don't even look here. Man, he's right behind me, over my head, and he's gone. And by the time I hit it there, it was Soldo and Cotcham were about to smash Maney. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I had to quickly try and get that back. Uh, and uh, interesting one here uh, from Adrian. It's a drizzle uh, on Twitter. Uh, do you reckon you could see fans paying to get access to the bird's eye view uh, that kind of uh, each team gets, you know, the down-the-ground view uh, that you uh, look at for all the structures and stuff like that. Jay-Z, no. uh, as a journo, as would you want to get your hands on that delicious footage? You do not – you don't want fans starting to deep dive into that vision. Hey, why the coach not? Has already pulled, why your not? coach has already pulled it apart. You've already got enough people out there who think they know what's going on. What's the harm? Let alone to be sitting behind and thinking, oh, I think all that vision should just get deleted Shouldn't be able to have access to it. Anyone? What the coaches? No, the coaches Cut don't all, get to no. touch it. Just you only get the vision that it's shot in, and that's it. I reckon that. I reckon it's fair. I reckon it should be. That, the behind the goals vision is the thing that's changed the game the most. Why can't media clubs get used to, when I, when I first started? Clubs used to go in and secretly film from behind the goals to see what sides mm. are doing, and that's how you completely break down sides by all that vision. Yeah. So shouldn't it be fair game? Oh, it doesn't bother me if it is, but I think that vision is the big reason why tactically and structurally sides can't get away with anything because if you have a tactic or a trick up your sleeve, sides figure it out within a week because they just watch the vision a hundred times. Stop being Jay-Z. a Grinch. Uh, <laughs> stop being a Grinch, Scott. Um, the, really, the bird's eye view footage would just show that all the all the players just follow the ball anyway. A-team players in the forward pocket. Yeah, yeah. Like they run over the wing. And then, <laughs> the rolling like, mall. Do, now, if, see, some people – meditate to go to sleep or listen to that music you could just watch that for a few minutes and that would put you <laughs> straight to uh the zeds i reckon oh boy that is absolutely boring i tell you who gets my three votes for the weekend boys and you give me your three votes we're gonna, okay. this is how i think we're gonna i've actually we, got them, we, so. have you we got any more questions coco sorry oh no that's it no, that, that was a great response good, from the good. twitter twitter followers good questions get your questions in next yeah. week Excellent. Three votes, so he gets my three for, votes for the weekend. to finish, right? Yeah, Xavier Dersma for the bow and arrow goal celebration. Young man, keep doing that. That is the expression and the excitement and the enjoyment that we love to see. And anyone who pots or criticizes that, and um, Craig Hutchison had a go at uh, Max Gorn for his hairstyle, but no, oh, get out of here. No, nah, I'm, I, I want the goal celebrations, the life and color. In our in our football, so Scotty, if you want to, you normally go the double pipes. You go the double the clench fist, double you get cobra. the big pythons out, <laughs> the double cover. That's what you sort of do. So Xavier Dersma, you get my three votes. Port Adelaide, absolutely magnificent on the weekend. Top four material, Scotty. Who gets your three votes? 
My three votes, Pom Papley. I oh, I genuinely love when what? he kicks a goal. He's so good. You watch him celebrate when he kicks a goal. It doesn't matter if there's well, there's no one there and when there's yeah. 50,000 there, he goes off his tree when he kicks a goal. <laughs> it is that good to watch. He doesn't He doesn't stop. He seriously goes for about 20 seconds. And I played in the state game for the bushfire with him and he's a ripping yeah. fellow. And, um, yeah, what, go back and watch a couple of goals he kicked today versus Essendon. And it's energetic. He celebrates. The camera's pans back to the goal, shows you the goal, and then it goes back to him and he's still celebrating the goal. It's, it's great. He did that classic high five to no one in the crowd. Yeah. That's going. Yeah, yeah. My uh, Coco, three votes, mate. Yeah, my three votes uh, go to the 1,000 Port Adelaide uh, strong crowd at the uh, showdown on the weekend. Geez, it was good just to hear a real crowd. None of this button crap, fake cheers. And it was good <laughs> to hear boos and crowd appeals for holding the ball. And, you know, we saw the Richmond Collingwood game, Collingwood home, home team, Richmond kick a goal, the bloody crowd cheers. The drawer on the siren, the bloody crowd cheers. Shut up. We want booze. We want appeals for holding the ball. That's what it's all about. Spoke, spoken like a true tech man. Yeah, give it a Yeah, give like it. a real was great. tech nerd. <laughs> um, what we are going to see is crowds at the MCG and Marvel Stadium from next month. 10,000, I think only 136 coronavirus cases, active cases across Australia, I think from today. So. I think we've beaten it, to be honest. The white flag's been thrown up by the coronavirus. (laughs) Beaten it here in uh, our country and the footy. We'll be able to go back to the footy safely uh, and shortly. I hope Yeah, you'll love that. He's uh, given the rising star. He's given the brown low. We've cured the coronavirus. We're going. We got got beaten by eight goals in round one, it's fair to say, boys. But back for episode uh, two, of course, Scotty Penabry, good luck. For that clash against the Saints, what is it? Sunday MCG, Saturday afternoon, and then I'll probably go out for dinner with my family afterwards. I oh, think. Exciting. Well, they exciting. ease those restrictions. Yeah, if not, you're just probably <laughs> going to get out anyway. So, uh, if anyone's out there, don't take photos of you. Don't tell people like me. Uh, keep 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 it to yourself so the boys can go out and uh, have dinner. Coco, uh, thanks to you, mate. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> it was a great podcast. A good. Uh, Less yawning, less less. We got we got in there this week. We um, yeah, we smashed. Bounce it back. Yeah, bounce back strong. Bounce back. This is this isn't the JLT. This isn't the marsh. We're in the real stuff now. Yep. Kick we're, and go. We're back. Well, thank, thanks very much for joining us on the Jock and Journo show. We will catch you next week. Bye for now.